Pastor Sandra tells it like it is. The teaching is entitled, King David's Request for Mercy, Part 3. I ended Part 2 teaching on a cliffhanger last week and posed the multi-million dollar question and asked children of God on what they feel David's reactions were when Prophet Naaman unfolds the prophecy on what he had done to Uriah. So I'm going to read the chapter through again um, in Second Samuel 12, 1 to 14, and I'm reading from the New International Version, then proceed with part three of the teaching. And I read, the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burnt with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the Lord God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you masters, I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites and therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despise me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says out of your own household. I'm going to bring calamity on you before your very eyes. I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I'm doing it. I'm, I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die, but because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord. The son born to you will die. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. First thing we need to note in this thing, um, this story, child, children of God, is that the king acknowledged that he had sinned against God. King David did not pull up, put up any resistance when the prophecy was unfolded to him. The king didn't put up a fight either or show any resistance when Prophet Nathan released the verdict. King David was deeply hurt and sorrowful, but he wasn't wrong and strong. Why is that? Because King David has a secret weapon had king david had a secret weapon on how to deal with the verdict a lot of children of god don't have this secret 
weapon with them. And so they don't know how to deal with certain challenges, issues, matter, concern that comes upon them. There are so many cases where children of God have been wrong and strong. We hear of board meetings that children of God were invited to attend and turn and it turned into boxing match because they attended the meeting wrong and strong. Fights break out at family meetings, even though the person knew they were in the wrong. They turned out turned up at the meeting wrong and strong. We hear of business meetings, fights and problems, even though the person knew they were in the wrong, they were wrong and strong. Meetings at schools, fights and problems, even though the person knew they were in the wrong. Meetings at church, fights and problems. Church, fights and problems even though the persons were in the wrong. We hear of incidents where they would go to court and swore on the Bible to tell the truth and nothing but the truth and lied like Ananias and Sapphira, even though the parties knew they were guilty of the crime, but they lied in an affray in court. But not so with King David, children of God. When the prophet, when prophet Nathan tells King David, of his deeds, when he read out his deeds to him, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. King David didn't put up a challenge or, or, or flood prophet Nathan with questions like, who have you been talking to and where did you get your information from? King David didn't announce to prophet Nathan like, why are you talking? Why are you taking my child? Or why are you bringing my child, uh, my unborn child into this? Or um, why chastise um, the child? Chastise me, but not the child. Or what has the child got to do with what I have done? King David didn't put up an argument. The king didn't put up a deal or request negotiations with God or against the calamities. Papa God had meted down to him and his generations. Why? Because the king, King David, had a secret weapon in Psalm 25, verse 14. Amen? And the secret weapon. What is the secret weapon, Pastor Sandra? Psalm 25, verse 14. David said, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. Praise God for this. I repeat, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. Children of God, this is what King David had that a lot of us children of God, we don't have it. We don't have it. The king fears God. He said, the secret of the Lord, I repeat it slowly, the secret of the Lord, I repeat again, the secret of the Lord, or the secret to the Lord, is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. So fear and covenant goes together. So fear and covenant are the qualities and the attributes that we need to have to fear God. Amen. You will come into covenant when you fear God. The two works together. So this was the reason David responded to prophet Nathan in the way that he did. He fears God. He has a covenant with God. He knows God is a covenant-keeping God and God is the greater part of the covenant that he has with him. It is written all over King David and written in the Psalms that he wrote. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. 
So the king knows he had a covenant relationship with God. And that's the multi-million dollar question answered there for you and I. The king fears God. When you and I fear God, we don't put up resistance. When you and I fear God, we don't put up a confrontation. When you and I fear God, we don't fight. When you and I fear God, we don't put barriers up. When we messed up and we know we messed up, we quickly bow down on all fours, flat on, the, on, on, on our face and surrender to Papa God. So do you fear God, children of God? Do you have feelings for Papa God? Do you reverence God? Do you respect and admire him? Do you put him above every other God and everything else in your life? Do you walk in holiness and righteousness before him? David did. And so God gives the secret to him. Children of God, don't you see, even in the hottest battles the king encounters, King David was still a winner. King David was still above. King David was still the head and not the tail. He was above and not beneath. He was forward ever and backward never. Why, Papa God? The greater part of the covenant, the greater part has to do his job and take care of the king because he is a covenant-keeping God. So the Bible let us know in 1 Samuel chapter 30, three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had a raid in Negev and Ziglag. They had crushed Ziglag and burnt it down to the ground, took away David's wife, children, and everything. But God had a plan for King David. God had a plan, a resolve for David. David's resolve was in his battle. Hear this, child of God. David's men found an injured Egyptian slave that had thrown off board because he was injured in battle and had nothing to eat for three days to lead him down to the raiding party. Yes, so David, David resolves, came from, from the very enemy who tried to kill and take away everything from, from him. David used the information to destroy the Philistines and the Amalekites and capture their gold, agriculture, land, wealth, everything, and his wives and family and other families return to them safely. So David's men found this guy injured and um, the Bible said he had no food for three, three days, so he was very weak and and so they found him and they gave him food and they nursed him back to health and they went they took him to the king and asked who he was and he told king david who he was and where he was from and told king david all about the raid so and he the king david asked him please can he take him down to the raiding party and so King, King, he provided that information for King David. He took King David down to the raiding party of the oppositions, the Amalekites that, and the Philistines that came to kill. But prior to that, the Bible let us know that when King David learned of the news, King David encouraged himself in the Lord. King David encouraged himself in the Lord. When you know the God that you serve, yeah, and when you have the secret with you, you know what to do. And so David, the Bible says, prior to that, David going down, he encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen. David fought Goliath and conquered Goliath and the whole Philistine race. He fought with lion and bears and conquered them. Why? He found the secret. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. That is why 
he could delight himself in the face of his opposition. That is why David could delight himself in the face of adversaries. So how did King David treat the evil as he calls it what? In uh, the evil in um, Psalm 51, as he calls it what he had done. The first thing the king did was to beg God for clemency. The first thing the king did was to beg God for mercy. He said in the NIV version, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Look at this child of God, the man who knows the secret things of God and how to apply and show them. The man who God said he is a man after my heart and do and will do what I told him to do. The man who knows how to worship God, a king that has the baddest and the best army and has the best ever army with hundreds of thousands of the choices, foot soldiers, colonels, captains, brigadiers, generals, and an army cabrets, a king that was prestigious, admired, important, significant, important with charm, suave, finesse, and integrity, found himself before Papa God, telling God, I have done evil and I beg mercy from you. I am going to close off part three of the teaching. But before I go, I want you to look at this, children of God. When David himself did not have mercy, did not show mercy, watch this. Verse four, now a traveler came, this is, this is, this is, Prophet Nathan speaking to him, saying, Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come, who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. The Bible let us know, day in verse 5, David burnt with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, David, you are the man. Can you see what I'm saying, children of God? David burnt with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this, he must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing. Children of God, can you see King David took an oath and vowed to kill the man. The Bible let us know he burned with anger. And Nathan said, and said to Nathan, as surely the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. Wow. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Wow, how worse can it get? Yeah, burnt with anchor means the king had nothing else but to go for the kill. In other words, he was not going to have reasons. He was not going to have talks with anyone, negotiation with anyone, concession with anyone, reconciliation with anyone. Request for anyone to say, King, please look through this again before you take action. He was not going to have any of those. He was blackened out. 
for requests, for negotiation. Because he said the man must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. God says, I will forgive. But David says, kill. Kill him. Kill him, David says. Kill him. Papa God says, tell him I will forgive him. But David says, kill him. And so, I am going to close off the teaching for today. Children of God, and I'm going to come back next week with the next part. Part three, Father God, we thank you for the teaching on King David's request for mercy. We thank you for not only showing you, showing us that you are a merciful God and you're, a, and you're bounteous in mercies, but also you're a covenant-keeping God and you keep your covenant with you keep your covenant, the greater part, which is you. The greater part of the covenant. You keep your part with the children of God that fears you. You said you came to save that which was lost. So we thank you for not doing to us as we deserve. And we thank you that your ways are far higher than our ways. We say kill. But you, you say have mercy. I will save and I will forgive. We thank you from the depths of our heart for your love. As you have demonstrated in this story, in showing mercy to not destroy King David, while he was burnt with rage, he said, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb, that lamb, four times over because he did such a thing. But you prayed for clemency. So we pray for every child of God who listened to this podcast, who has some guilt, it might not be to kill Uriah's wife, but it might be something similar or different to this. So we pray that you for mercy we pray for clemency we pray that as we that we will learn from what you're trying to teach us and say to us and change let your mercy come upon us i pray in jesus name amen so children of god i'm going to close off today and I am going to come back to you next week with the questions, how did King David obtain such great peace and mercy and forgiveness to assist him to move on? So listen out for it in part four of my teaching next week. God bless you. Pastor Sandra tells it like it is. My teaching is entitled, Do You Have the Mighty Word in You? And this is part four. So today is the final lesson on the teachings for now. But before I close the teachings off, I am going to look at the word prevail. I have taught on the word mightily. I have taught on the word grew. And I'm going to teach on the word prevail. So mightily grew the word and prevail. Acts chapter 19 verse 20. The book of Hebrews 4.12 tells us, the Bible let us know, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the 
dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So mightily grew the word and prevailed. I like the word prevail because it tells me that the word has been through trials and tribulations and stood the test of time and remains faithful. The word prevail tells me that the word has been through the mills, been through the long haul, it's been up the hills, the mountains, in the valleys, in the graveyards, in the fiery furnaces, in the sticks, in the sea, the river, in the oceans, in the mindset of man spiritually and physically, in chaos and traumas and carnage, and the casualties and the untimely activities through territories, spiritually and physically, in the witches' coven, the demonic churches and altars, in the ghettos, in the oceans, been, been through different foundations and generationally in the freezing cold, on the cross, even to hell and prevail. Praise the living Jesus. I couldn't close this series of, of teachings without giving credence to prevail. So mightily grew the word and prevail. So Iskus and Isko are two of the Greek words for prevail. Iskus means mighty in ability, mighty in power, mighty in strength. For example... I can do it. So the might, so mightily grew the word and prevail. So it is telling us, I can do it. It's called mighty in ability. I can do it. Mighty in power. I can do it. Mighty in strength. I can do it. Isco is to be of strength and behold. That's the word. To gain ascendancy through strength or superiority. So that's the Greek word isko for prevail. So mightily grew the word prevail. The word, the word is telling you that there is no superpower, no superiority that is greater than he. So when he says, I'm going to keep you. I am going to keep you. When he says to you, you're the head and not the tail, you're the head and you're not the tail. When he says you're above and not beneath, means that you're above and not beneath. So that is the telling of the power and prevalence of the word of God. So look at how David spells it out. And I'm not going to be long today. Or we're just going to do this and we close. Look at how David spells prevail and its capabilities I love this, Psalm 139, and I'm reading from the NIV version. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart. David said, I know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say. Even before I say, Lord, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessings on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I hide the wings of the morning, and if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me, and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me, and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watch me as I was 
being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me. Oh God, they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. You enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred. For your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So children of God, as we draw close to the ending of 2021, um, the teachings let us to know that um, the mighty word of God prevails. And this is David outlining it in Psalm 139. And um, he says that, that um, he's asking Papa God, where can he go from him? And he spells it out where if he, if he goes. Um, the word is there. God is there. The protection is there. The mighty word is there. And he said such knowledge is too wonderful for him, too great for him to understand. And he, can, he said, I cannot never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. And wherever he goes, he's there. In heaven, he's there. If he goes to the grave, he's there. Even if he rides the winds of the morning, he's there. He said, if I go to the Father's ocean, he's there. And even the, his hand will be there to guide him. And so this is the word to you for the past four weeks or so I've been teaching. is just to guide you. The word has been sent to guide you and to remind you that he's there wherever you go, he's there with you. So um, he said in, point, in, in summing up, um, as we draw close to the end of 2021, um, as David said to search me, O God, and know my heart, and to test me and know my anxious thoughts and point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting, to everlasting life. So um, we're asking God as we close out, come draw close to the ending of 21, 2021, to point out anything that you know that are offensive, that will keep you away. We don't want that to happen. So we're going to ask God to point it out and to point out anything that hurts his feelings. Ask him to lead you out of anything that offends him. Ask him to lead you out of anywhere you have insulted him or anything that you did to affront him, anything that does not please him and to lead you along the path of everlasting life as you close out, as you draw a close to 2021. There are so many things that are happening and uh, we need to be on the right side of God. We need to make sure that we are fully comprehensively insured and covered by the blood of Jesus. So I'm going to close now, children of God, and I um, ask the living God to bless you and to bless the everyone, the ear that listens to the precious word of God and to the teachings. And ask the Lord to bless you, bless your family and everything you put your hands to. 
and you're com- bless you coming in, bless you going out. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Amen. Remember to forward your podcast to your friends and your family as you do so you're propagating the gospel. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Sandra tells it like it is. My teaching is entitled, Jesus, the reason for the season. And my text is taken from Matthew 2, and it, chapter 2. And my read is from the NIV version, um, from verse 1 to 12. And I read, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and arts. Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. When it was time to leave, They returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Jesus, the reason for the season. We cannot worship what we cannot see. And the wise men saw The wise man said, we saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. So children of God, the Bible let us know Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of Jews, of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Star here symbolizes a type of Jesus. We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. The star that the wise men saw was not a galaxy. It was not uh, one of the stars from the galaxy. The wise men were stargazers and had spotted a uniqueness about this star in particular, that it was different to the other stars in the galaxy. One of the distinctiveness about this star was its ability to move. And the Bible let us know it went ahead of the wise men and stopped over the place where the baby was. And the wise men saw the star and they came out to worship. And I like the word came And the word out. They came out to worship. I like the word came and I like the word out. 
the wise men saw the star and they came out to worship. The word came means origin. And in other words, these men were not ordinary men themselves. They did not know what is what, is what or why the star they were following was different to the other stars in the galaxy. But the Bible said they came out to worship anyway. Worship means they came out to offer their love. They came out to offer adoration. Um, they came out to offer reverence and respect. The wise men were created to worship Jesus and could tell the difference in their asking for the new king and Herod's ask to worship the new king. You, you, can t you could tell the difference in their asking for the new king and Herod's asking for the new king. So came out also means to deriv derived, arose and emanated. In other words, wherever the wise men were located, once they spotted that particular star, they would still come out to search. They would still come out to worship. So they followed the star. Why? They were created to worship Jesus. But while they were doing that, something interesting was brewing up in Herod's camp. Something big was happening in the camp of King Herod. Something wasn't Somebody wasn't excited about the birth and coming of Jesus. Somebody wasn't moved at the announcement of the birth of Jesus. Somebody was troubled at the birth of Jesus. Verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Can you imagine that? King Herod, the king, was deeply disturbed. When he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Can you see what I'm saying, children of God? Not everyone, like the wise men, was born to worship. The Bible let us know King Herod and the whole Jerusalem were deeply disturbed at the announcement of the birth of Jesus. If the announcement of the birth of a baby is going to cause this, such massive distress to a king who is already in office, Something is seriously wrong. So the Bible said King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard of the birth, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Um, he, was, he was disturbed to the extent where he had to schedule a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law to ask on where the Messiah was going to be born. So why did I give you this information? I took time to go around corners um, to give you this information to show you that not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. I give this information to show you not everyone wants to worship Jesus. Not everyone, every nation wants Jesus to be their shepherd. The, king, the Bible said King Herod was deeply disturbed as was everyone in Jerusalem at the birth of Jesus. Not everyone wants to hear about Jesus. Not everyone wants to worship Jesus. Not every nation wants Jesus to shepherd them. Not so with the wise men though. The Bible let us know the wise men wanted to worship Jesus. They were in pursuit of him. They went a hunting for him. They wanted to see who their new king was. What about you, child of God? Do you want to worship Jesus? Do you want to come to get to know who your new king is? Do you want to have a, a relationship with, with, with him? Um, verse 2, where is the new king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come out to worship him. We have come out to worship him means here I am. You can use me. You can send me. Do as you desire with me. Out means I am obtainable. I am purchasable. I am available. I am ready. I am on sale. The Bible let us know the wise men saw the star and they came out 
to worship. And after the, the interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. This confirms how different this star was to the other star. This star is a type of Jesus that guides and leads us, you and I, to true worship. And the Bible said it went ahead of them, stooped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. That's what Jesus does to you, you see. One encounter with, with, with Jesus, you're filled with joy. And the Bible said they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So next week I will come back with further teaching on the meanings of the gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that the wise men presented to Jesus. And are we worshipping a baby, or are we worshipping the King of Kings? Which, which one are we worshipping? The, the baby that is in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, or are we worshipping the King of Kings? So, Father God, thank you for this teaching and for presenting the reason for the season, King Jesus himself. The songwriter said, Jesus came to reconcile God and sinner. Let this message locate and remind those who are not yet reconciled. Help children of God to keep the focus on, on, on this Christmas. Jesus, the reason for the season. And we plead the blood of Jesus to protect your children all over the globe in the name of Jesus. Protect your children from all the sickness and the disease and the strands. And we plead the blood, Father God, that the blood is still doing its job. This blood is still potent. The blood, still, blood is still the best insurance coverage, still the best thing happening. So we plead the blood on every ear and every listener and every home, let peace and goodwill that Christmas brings, and the joy to the world. Touch every family. Touch every all your children. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week. End and take care of yourself. Pastor Sandra checking out. God bless. Pastor Sandra tells it like it is. My teaching is entitled, Jesus, the Reason for the Season, Part 2. My text is taken from Matthew chapter 2, and my read is from the New International Version. And the verse is from 1 to 12, and I read, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from East Lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the new king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child 
with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. The Bible says that the star went ahead of the wise men and stopped over the place where the child was. I shared in last week's lesson that the star is representative and it is a type of Jesus. And I went on to share that the star was not like the star that we see in the sky. No, this star was different. The Bible let us know this star moves, it leads, it navigates, it takes charge and proceeds ahead, and it pilots it pilot um piloted the wise men into true worship and adoration to locate the real star. Verse ten When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And I like the first line in verse 11. They entered the house and saw the child. Why do I like it? Because it confirms Prophet Isaiah's prophecy. Prophet Isaiah prophesied the birth of Jesus 700 years before Jesus came on the scene. 700 years, Jesus' birth was prophesied before he actually hit the scene. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and I read, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What is the prophet saying to us, children of God? He is telling us that we will not mistake who the real king of Israel is. We shouldn't mistake who the real son of God is because it is written in the word of God. And we have facts and proof that Jesus came from heaven to earth. So we should not be mistaken. He's telling us there should be no ifs and buts about who Jesus is. And you, we will know him. Why? Because he touched down in a different style. He will touch down differently. He touched down in a different style. The Bible said angel Gabriel went to Mary and told her, Woman, you are greatly loved. He told her about the conception that she will bring brought forth a son, that she should call his name Jesus, for he will save his his children from their sins. So There should be no ambiguity on who the Son of God is because he touched down differently. And the book of Isaiah gives gives the heads up on the format in which he will come. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, he said, He will come to us as a child, for unto us a child is born. In other words, he is coming to us as a babe. Child means baby stage. He will come to us as a, as a babe. And the prophet went on to say, Unto us a son is given. He will move from baby stage to fulfill his father's will as a son. And he said, And the government will be on his shoulder. Government on his shoulder means his father will charge responsibilities and the management of heaven and earth, and place them upon his shoulders 
administration, rule, direction, and regime. He'll charge all of this on his shoulder. Those who believe and made contact with him will call him wonderful. They will call his name the Counselor. They will call his name the Mighty God. These are all his assets. He will be called Wonderful. He will call the Counselor. He will call the Mighty God. He will call the Everlasting Father. And he will call the Prince of Peace. So Prophet Isaiah said, you can't miss him because wise men will come in search of him. So the Bible said the wise men saw, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy, exuberance, enthusiasm, and excitement when they saw the star. And they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bow down and worship him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I like the word treasure chest. Treasure chest symbolizes their heart and the things that they had in their hearts. For the Bible said in Matthew 6 verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure chest symbolizes that their hearts were filled with sacks of beautiful things. Their hearts were filled with sacks of worship. Their hearts were filled with sacks of praise and gratitude and adoration. They were so pleased to see the new king. Their hearts were rich with enthusiasm and endeavors and boldness in their determination to find and worship the new king of the Jews. Then they opened their treasure chest, the Bible said, and gave him gifts of gold. Now I like the word gold again because gold is symbolic for the kingship and establishment of God. So the gift of gold was an appreciation and establishment of Papa God's kingship in recognizing and establishing man back to God through his precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That an angel had to make inquiries in Psalm 8, 4. Psalm chapter 8, when the angel had to make inquiries, he said in Psalm chapter 8, I'm reading from verse 4 to 6. He said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And hast crowned him with glory and honor. That's you and I, child of God. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. If only you have faith to believe how powerful you are. You and I are. Listen to verse 6 again. Thou, hast, thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hand, hands. And thou hast put all things under his feet. Dominion. He's given you dominion. Dominion over territories, over colonies, over province, over regions. You've got a dominion. Dominion. Amen. So that's the gift of gold. Frankincense. The gift, they presented the gift of frankincense to, G, to, G, to Mary and Joseph. The gift of frankincense represents the sweet essence, aroma and fragrance of our praise an adoration that we have in our praises to him. Myrrh, myrrh. The gift of myrrh is, 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 is an oil of preservation to protect 
and to conserve us and him. And I've got Matthew chapter 6, 26, and I'm going to read. Um, it says from verse 8 to 12. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. Children of God, the gift of myrrh is the oil of preservation to protect, to preserve, and to prepare Jesus' body and to conserve us in him. Point of contact where we are not worshipping a baby in a, in a manger anymore. It is also the point of contact where we're not no longer worshipping a baby in a manger. He has become the king of kings. He came to earth. He did his, his, what he was commissioned to do. And he's returned to heaven with all glory and honor. He, he, he conquered hell, death, and the grave. He has the key of death and of hell. And he's seated on the right-hand side of the Father, making intercession for you and I. John 17, after, say, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shall share before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you have you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and my and they have kept my word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and you have given them to me so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we. During my time here, I protect them by the power of the name you gave me. And so I am going to close today and I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you for this teaching and thank you for presenting Jesus the reason for the season. Let it minister to everyone. Let this little nugget that I'm sending out ministers to everyone who come in contact of, of, of this. Jesus said, Holy Father, you have given me your name. Protect them by the power of your name. So, that they will be united just as we are. So, Papa God, I ask you, as your children come in contact with this word, 
as they read it, as they listen to it. Let the word of God unite them. Let the word of God bring reconciliation. Let the word of God be a turning point. Let the word of God find them. Father, I don't know what situation they might be in. Some might be out in a maze. But let the word of God locate them and unite them in whatever circumstances they find themselves in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, let the gift of your Son grant peace to all your children who is seeking for you this Christmas. Help children of God to keep the focus on Jesus, the reason for this season and the reason why you came in the name of Jesus. And as we hand out our gifts and our presents, let us know the real reason for gifts and presents this Christmas. The real reason for your gift was, is the gift of your son, the precious Lord Jesus Christ, given to reconcile man back to God. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus to protect your children all over the globe this, this, this season. We plead the blood of Jesus to grant the peace, the peace Jesus came to give to your children all over the, the globe. Protect your children from every variant, from every sickness, and from every disease. Give them the faith. Father God, give them the faith that there is power in the name of Jesus and power in the blood of Jesus. Let there be no disaster in the name of Jesus. Bless, Father, protect every listener wherever they are on the face of the earth. Father God, who listens and pass this podcast on, let them have a blessed and a quiet and a peaceful Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Sandra, check it out. Until next time, God bless you.